Well, good morning. Good to see you. Hey, this morning started out really good. My wife hit me in the nose and had a bloody nose. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I'm well loved here. Speaking of blood, we had a blood drive on Tuesday and uh, 27 pints were given, 81 lives saved from the blood that was given on Tuesday. So thank you everybody for that. So uh, if you see me run off today or whatever, it's probably because my nose started bleeding again. I don't know. And then you got that little trickle of blood that goes down your throat. And so now I got that little thing that makes you want to cough. So if I cough, I don't have COVID. It's just a little bloody. Anyway, welcome to Crossroads. We're really real. We're glad to see you here. Week two of our series as we kicked off the brand new year of this was, this is my year. This is my year. I talked to a guy this week, well, actually, probably two weeks ago, and he was like, I don't go to church. And I said, do you mind if I asked you why? And he said, because I think that there's too many hypocrites. And I said, we got room for one more. <laughs> I said, you're welcome to join the rest of us. You can fit right in. We're not a church of perfect people. We're a, perf- we're a church of imperfect people. So today, week two, um, if you missed last week, you missed a lot, seriously. Go to our YouTube channel, take it out, check it out, crossroadsonyoutube.com. You can take that all in. How many of you picked your one out of the nine? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go back and look, for real. I really believe this can change your life. It'll definitely change the rest of your year. How many of you took us up on the challenge of starting your day with 15 minutes? Give me 15 Good, stay with it. Three weeks to build a habit, two or three days to break one. We're going to add something to that uh, when these three weeks are over, so stay tuned for that today. Today we're going to be in the book of James. Those of you that have note sheets, whether you're at home or you're here in person, I think we set a record for the most verses on one uh, note sheet, but uh, stick with us. There's going to be more than we typically read, but I think uh, if you'll stick with us, we're going somewhere on this, all right? If you look at the books of James, if you don't really know the background, if you never really read your Bible, maybe you're visiting Crossroads for the first time, maybe you're watching online for the first time, we actually believe that the Bible is God's living word to us. It's not a book of maybes, it's a book of truth, and um, it's God's love letter to us. And in the book of James, it was written by James, who was the brother of Jesus, Now, I don't know if you had brothers and sisters or not. You ever heard that sibling rivalry thing? That's real, right? Can you imagine being Jesus' brother? You come home, you got a B plus. Hey, mom, I got a B plus. Jesus, what'd you get? Oh, man, all A's again. How would you like? There's no way you win at that game with Jesus. Man, I had a good day. I had a perfect day. Oh, man. Yeah, I just saved a bunch of people at school and all that, and you just made it home, right? So anyway. James is the brother of Jesus, and he writes this book to believers. And I'm going to pick it up in chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Consider it a sheer gift. Think about this. My friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Say, what? Yeah, consider it a sheer gift. Like, if you're going through some real challenges... James says, consider that like sheer joy when you're getting bombarded from every side of life. You ever had a season like that? Some of you may be in a season like that where it's just raining down and you feel like everything's coming at you from every angle. Anybody love those seasons? We should, according to this, right? 
Look at verse 3. He says, you know that under pressure, your, your faith life is forced into the open, and it shows its true colors. You want to know what's really going on inside of a person? Pull out in front of them. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't we want to get out of things right away? Let it do its work in you, in you. God's doing something in you so you become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. God's trying to make us well-rounded. You don't grow without adversity. Look at verse 5 through 8. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father and He loves to help you. And you're going to get his help when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believing without a second thought. People who worry, their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. And then it goes down and look at verse 12. This is my favorite part. He said, anybody who meets a testing challenge head-on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such people, loyalty in love with God, the reward is life and more life. Isn't that an interesting perspective? Apparently, Jesus is encouraging regular believers here to know that if you're going through some challenges, if life is kind of bombarding on you from all different angles, you're not alone. First of all, I think a lot of times we feel like we're the only ones struggling. And the second thing is, he said, you have a God that's going to help you get through it. Everyone say, this is my year. This is my year. What if you and I began to adopt God's perspective, Jesus' perspective on problems? And we said, hey, this is my year. This isn't happening by accident. God is aware of what's going on, but he wants to do something in me. Whether he caused it or I caused it, he's allowing it, and God can use this. He goes on to tell his disciples, take heart because I've overcome the world. Which tells me I was born for this. Which tells me whatever you're going through, you were born for this. You can pretend that you love it, even if you don't, right? But I was born for this. God wants to do something in me. Look at somebody close to you and say, I was born for this. And then look back at him and say, don't talk to me again, it's getting awkward. Isn't that weird? It's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> I think there comes a day where as Christ followers, we've got to stop asking God to deliver us from everything. And realize that, you know what, at the same situation, the same trial, I was actually born for this. God, you want to do something in me that may affect other people down the road. So I don't want to just get out of everything. I want to get out of it what you want me to get out of it. If you and I would start to look at our storms and our challenges different, maybe your marriage is difficult today. Maybe it's time that you get some help. Maybe it's time that you stop running from those problems and you actually face them. Maybe instead of continuing down the same financial path that you've been going for years, you finally start to do things God's way. Say, so I don't have to do it my way any longer. My way's not working. My way is broke. Maybe you got a bad doctor's report. Rather than going to panic, right, and trying to find somebody to cry with, you start saying, wow, you know what? 
Maybe this is going to cause me to look at life differently. How many of you know what it's like to have a, a friend or a couple of good friends that are, give you courage to do things you wouldn't have the courage to do yourself? How many, is that in a good or a bad way, right? <laughs> I was pretty good at that in school. I was great at coming up with ideas for somebody else to do. It was really cool, right? But I mean, we all had those friends, right? That if you'd have just been out by yourself, you'd have never had the courage to do whatever you did. And that can work to the good or the bad, right? People challenge you to do things that you could never do on your own. But sometimes you have to challenge yourself to do some things that you'd never really do. As a Christian, you're going to have to talk yourself into some things because you know it's God's way and your ways don't work. And so I've got to just do it his way. I was born for this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I want to talk to you today about how to handle the heat of this life. How to handle the heat of this life. We're going to go through a lot of verses of Scripture, and then we're going to give three things, three simple ways that you and I can handle the heat in our life, right? And, and trust me, I've got like 37 ways. Anybody want all 37? People online just switched to ESPN. They're like, oh, heck with that, man. 37, we'll be here like all day. Well, now we're just going to do three. How to handle the heat, because I think some Christians really feel like, hey, you know what, I, I know Jesus, I, I gave my life to him, I'm saved, I'm a follower of Jesus, so, but why is all this stuff bad happening to me? Like, I thought it was going to be easier. I thought if you gave your life to Christ, it's all smooth sailing. I don't know where we come up with that, but there's nowhere that God says that. Matter of fact, he says the opposite. He says the opposite. But I think there comes a moment where we realize, wait a second. Even though I'm following Christ, that doesn't set me off the path somewhere and God promises that everything's just going to be good. He didn't promise us that. Matter of fact, I think God wants to use us in adversity to show the rest of the world that we have something that they don't have. We have a God that promises never to leave us, never to forsake us. We have strength to get through what the rest of the world that doesn't know Christ, they can't get through. And so this story... There's a big chunk of this story, this passage, from a guy named Paul. And I'm going to recap as fast as I can at the back end, so stick with me. We're going somewhere. I'm going to read a lot of verses of Scripture, right? We're going to start in verse 21 of Acts chapter 27. With our appetite, this is the message translation, by the way, with our appetite for both food and life long gone, Paul took his place in the midst and he said, friends, you really should have listened to me back in Crete. Don't you love Christians like that? They're just kind of happy to tell you how wrong you were. He's looking back and he said, hey, you know, don't you wish you'd have listened to me? I don't know if you've got any of those stories, right? When I was young, my parents were the dumbest people on the planet. And then as I got older, they got really smart. And there was times I thought, man, I wish I'd have listened to them back then. You really should have listened to me back in Crete. We, we could have avoided all this trouble and all this trial. But there's no need to dwell on that now. In other words, it's in the past. Even God can't change what happened yesterday. From now on, things are looking up. I can assure you that there will not be a single drowning. Keep this in mind. There won't be a single drowning among us. And they're on a ship. Although I can't say as much for the ship... This thing is doomed. You're not going to drown, but the ship is going to have problems. I love Christians that keep it real. 
You're not going to drown, <laughs> but this ship that we're all on is going to be gone. Look at verse 23. Last night, God's angel stood at my side, an angel of this God that uh, that I serve, saying to me, don't give up, Paul. Can we just freeze there just for a second? Some of us need to hear that right there. God could have sent an angel to them and said, hey, tithe more, do more, learn more of your Bible, be a better Christian. But the angel whispered to him, right? A beaten down Paul, don't give up. Somebody needs to hear that today. Don't give up. Do not give up. Verse 24, don't give up. You're going to stand before Caesar yet, and everybody sailing with you is going to make it. You see, again, he's telling them, the ship might disappear, but no one's going to drown. So, dear friends, take heart. I believe God will do exactly what he told me, but we're going sh- to shipwreck on some o- other island or another. Now, look how he keeps bringing that up. Now, look at verse 27 through 29. On the 14th night, 14 nights of this, adrift somewhere in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land. Sounding, they measured a depth of 120 feet. That's a deep pool, right? Shortly after that, 90 feet. Afraid they were about to run aground, they threw out the anchors that they, and they prayed for daylight. <laughs> Nothing scarier than thinking you're going to run aground, but it's so dark you can't see, so they're praying for daylight. Verse 30, some of the sailors tried to jump ship. Now, if you're a sailor and you're trying to jump, jump ship, it's, it's bad, right? You might want to take an inventory of your friendships right there, right? You ever thought about that? Because when you're in the heat of the situation, you want to pay attention to who's trying to get out of your ship and who's trying to stay in your ship. Anybody want to give a story about that? With your friends? When the heat came, they were out. When everything's good, they're there. I heard this, I love this, that says, Don't pay attention to the friends that want to ride with you in the limo. Pay attention to the friends that want to walk with you when the, at, to the bus stop when the limo breaks down. That's the kind of friends you really want, right? You don't want the ones, Oh, you got a limo, I'll ride with you. Oh, you broke down, I'm out of here. Same thing here. Verse 30 through 32. Some of the sailors tried to jump ship. They let down their lifeboat, pretending they were going to set out more anchors from the bow. Paul saw through their gulls, and he told the centurion and the soldiers, if these sailors don't stay with the ship, we're going down. So the soldiers cut the lines to the lifeboat, and they let it drift off. Verse 33. With dawn about to break, Paul called everybody together. And I love this. And he proposed breakfast. (laughs) Isn't that cool? It's spiritual. If you had a bad day, go to breakfast. It's it's right there. If you're in the middle of the trial, get yourself some Krispy Kreme donuts. It's right there. There's a biblical precedent. I just read it to you. Verse 33, he proposed breakfast. This is the 14th day we've gone without food. They're hungry. (laughs) you imagine how mad these people would have been? I, I, I get angry if I don't eat for three hours, 14 days. Without food. Verse 33, none of us feel like eating. Excuse me? But I urge you to eat something now. You're going to need your strength for the rescue ahead. You're going to come out of this without even a scratch. Do you see how he keeps telling things are going to get bad, but you're not going to drown? Things are going to get bad, you're not going to have a scratch. He speaks vision into these people. He's trying to give them a heads up. He's trying to prepare them for what's to come. 
Look at verse 35 through 38. He broke the bread, he gave thanks to God, and he passed it all around, and they all ate heartily, 276 of us. With the meal finished and everybody full, the ship was lightened even more. All that food disappeared, lightened the load. It goes on to say that the ship broke up. And look at verse 42 through 44. As the soldiers crashed and decided to kill the prisoners so nobody could escape by swimming, 43, verse 43, but the centurion determined to save Paul. Huh? This makes no sense. But the centurion decides to save Paul. And he gave orders for anybody who could swim to dive in and go for it. (laughs) Verse 44, and the rest of them grabbed planks. That's the first biblical recording of surfing right there. And then verse 44, and everybody made it to shore safely. Now anybody that's got ADD and you kind of checked out, let me go back and just recap what happened because we're going somewhere. All right? You have one guy on an absolutely doomed ship. That's where we're at. Horrible trials, horrible fear. He's right there. And he calls on Jesus to give him some vision, to keep his strength up. And a whole lot of people probably would have went down with the ship. But because of Paul and because of his faith, not one of them died. He was born for that. That was his year. From this little story, I'm going to give you three ways to handle the heat in your life and in mine. And then we're done. All right? So three things. Number one, if you're taking notes. See it coming so you never end up running. You need to see it coming so you never end up running. What I love about reading what Paul did is it it, it feels like he was two steps ahead of everybody else. That he didn't freak out like everybody else did. He wasn't sure how it was all going to turn out, but he was ahead. He didn't end up running in the middle of the fight. He didn't try to bail out like I would have done. I don't know if you recognize this or not, but a lot of times Christians aren't typically known for poise under pressure. Like we're not the people typically that everybody in society runs to when things go bad. They try everything else first, right? That's not the way it should have been. When CNN, right, there's during a crisis, they find the weirdest, don't they? Don't they find the weirdest person on the planet that's got the weirdest beliefs, but he claims to be a Christian, and they interview this nutball on TV? Like, that was a bad hurricane, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, and the clouds are going to part, and Jesus is going to come in riding on a white horse, and the rapture's getting ready to happen. Where's the sound judgment? Where's the vision that Paul had? John 16, that I alluded to earlier, that's the one verse that I didn't put on your notes. There was no room. It says, in this life, talking to believers, in this life, you will have problems. You will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. The rest of the world doesn't have that. 
If they don't know Christ personally, they don't have what you and I have. We shouldn't be shocked by problems. We should expect them. But we've got somebody in our corner that the rest of the world doesn't have. We shouldn't be shocked that life is tough. You know what's weird to me is you can have somebody 20 years old, 25 years old, 30 years old to give their life to Christ, start coming to church and following Jesus for six months. And things don't go the way they think and they say, I'm done. I tried that Christianity stuff. It didn't work. You know what I say? Give Jesus as much time as you gave the clubs or you gave life your way. Give him that much time. Before you tell you it doesn't work. What do you mean? If you mean I gave my life to Christ and everything wasn't smooth sailing, he never promised us that. He just said, I'll be with you no matter what you go through. That's why last week I challenged everybody, right? To start your first 15 minutes of your day with him. Set your alarm early. Spend the first five minutes listening to worship music, waking up, whatever. And then spend five minutes... After that, reading God's Word, opening up the truth of God's Word reveals who He is, what His heart is like, what He thinks about you. We're putting truth in because the world doesn't put truth in us. And then you spend the last five minutes praying, talking to God, listening to God. We need to develop that habit. You can't export what you haven't imported. You can't pass truth along if you've not imported truth. And every day I have a choice. Every day you have a choice. Speaking of reading, um, a couple years ago we did kind of a, uh, a draw the circle plan where we all had these books and we read the same stuff for 40 days. We're going to do that again starting on the 24th of January. Matter of fact, we're going to go through the purpose-driven life If you've never done that, you're in for probably the greatest ride of your life. Now, because some people are online, some people are here and all that, we're going to let you get your own book. Matter of fact, it'll pop up right there on the screen. The best place that I found to get it is pastors.com. You might have an older brown edition. You can use that if you choose. This is an expanded edition that was written in 2012. It's got some video things you can click on and watch and stuff like that. But I'm going to encourage you to get it. There's some available on Amazon. You just pick. But pastors.com, I think a a paperback is like $10 and something. You've got a couple of weeks to order that. So you're ready for the 24th of January. (coughs) Excuse me. And then we're all going to go on this 40-day journey together. You ever wonder why you're really here? I don't mean like here at Crossroads. I mean like here on this planet. What did God have in mind when he made you? Do you want to get to the end of your life and realize that you didn't even realize what your purpose was being here? Nobody does. We're going to go on this journey together. I can't encourage you enough to do that. But it's so important that we get the truth of what God says into our hearts and lives. There's so much garbage out there. Everybody's got an opinion about what you should be doing, about what's going on in the world. You and I need truth. So I've got to see it coming so I don't keep running. Number two, You've got to see it through because you have no idea what God is going to do. You've got to see it through because you have no idea what God's going to do. Some of us bail out before we ever get to the end. Paul saw it through. 
I would have jumped. I would have ran. I would have got out of there. I'm just telling you, I probably would have. Paul didn't. Paul didn't. Can you imagine if he'd have given up? If he'd have bailed on this before the end of the story? When he was a prisoner? If he wouldn't have saw it through? There's people in this room, there's people watching this at home. You want to jump out? You want to bail? I'm going to encourage you to see it through. You have no idea what God is going to do. You might be at chapter 2 and there's five more chapters. We don't know, but don't bail out too early. Maybe it's with one of your kids and you're just struggling. You just said, I'm fed up. I'm up to my ears in this. Maybe it's your marriage. Whatever it is, don't bail. You have no idea what God is going to do. I don't know what the future holds for you, but I know who holds the future. I have no idea what God's going to do in your life. But I know that the Bible says no weapon formed against us will prosper. So I'm going to trust Him. Nobody has a crystal ball on your life. Matter of fact, it's crazy what people go and who they'll go see trying to get an eye and a glimpse into their life from somebody like that. Don't listen to those crazy people. We have a God that created us that knows we don't want to bail out too early. Number three, as we start to wind this down, number one, we see it coming. Number two, you've got to see it through. And number three, you've got to shake it off so you can keep on yelling, bring it on. You've got to shake it off so you can keep on yelling, bring it on. The story doesn't end there. Paul's whole story with the ship and all of that, we're going to go to Acts chapter 28, and we're almost done, so stay with me. It's not over. There's a twist. I love this. I love a twist in other people's lives. I'm not sure I like the ones in my own. Look at verse 1 and 2. Once everybody was accounted for, and we realized all had made it, just like the angel had told him, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The natives went out of their way to be friendly to us. The day was rainy and cold. We were already soaked to the bone, but they built a huge bonfire and they gathered us around it. Can't you just picture it? They're all wet. They're freaked out. Now they're safe. They build a big bonfire. Let's all circle around this. Verse three, Paul pitched in and helped. Of course he did. He was a super Christian. He's helping him build his fire. He gathered up a bundle of sticks at this. But when he put it on the fire, a venomous snake roused from its sleepiness by the heat, struck his hand and held on. You picture this? He's gathering wood and the heat from the fire warmed up this snake who was hiding in the wood and bit Paul's hand and held on. Now, I don't know about you. I don't like snakes. That's not my favorite thing. Why couldn't it have been a spider? Of course, some of you'd freak out about a spiker. Spider. Or a falcon, right? I mean, a bird. Could have been worse. It could have been a cat, I guess. But anyway, that's just me. Notice this. Seeing the snake hanging from Paul's hand like that, the natives jumped to the conclusion that he was a murderer getting what he deserved. They're like, hey, if a snake bit you, there must be something wrong with you. You got what you deserve. And, and they, it turned, they turned on him. Can we just pause right there for just a second? Can I tell you this? Be careful when you judge somebody on their journey. You have no idea what they're going through. They came to such a radical conclusion because he's helping build a fire and a snake bites him. You must be a murderer. 
Christians can be some of the most judgmental people. I had a person once say, you know what? I've heard some weird things about crossroads. I'm like, really, what'd you hear? I said, I heard there's people that go to a bar and get drunk on Saturday night, and they come to your church on Sunday. What do you have to say about that? I said, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Because they're welcome. Because we're all fellow strugglers. I hope you're right. Look at verse 5. Paul, ready for this? Paul shook the snake off into the fire like it was nothing. He really is super Christian. He just shakes it off, went in the fire. They kept expecting him to drop dead because it was a venomous snake. But when it was obvious he wasn't going to die, they jumped to the conclusion that he was a god. Two minutes before, you're a murderer. You got what you deserve. Now you didn't die from the venomous snake. You just shook it off, and now you're a god. What's wrong with these people? Isn't it crazy how quick people switch their position? But ultimately, we serve and we live for an audience of one. If we could just get that through our head, I don't care what everybody else thinks, especially people that aren't in my corner. If there's a critic that wants to tear me down, they don't really know me. If it's somebody that really loves me, then I'm going to listen. But God is our source. He's the one we're to please. There's only one person that died for you and died for me. His opinion matters. That's why, again, it's so important that I get God's word in me on a daily basis, to know what he says what he says is truth, so that when I get bombarded with things that I'm not sure what's truth, I can go back to the source of truth. So they jump to the conclusion that he's a God. First he's a murderer, now he's God. And the head man in that part of town had a sick father. And Paul ended up healing him. And then the last part, look at verse 9 of Acts 28. Word of healing got around fast, and soon everybody on the island who was sick came and got healed. Is that not incredible? If you look at the whole story of what Paul went through, how many times I'm sure he was tempted to bail out and quit and run and swim and heck with all these people, but he stuck to it. And it benefited not only him, many other people. You see, I often get so tunnel visioned when I'm going through some struggles and I have a pity party and it's all about me and God, why would you allow this and why would you cause this or allow it, whatever it is? I just want to get out of this. That sometimes God's saying, no, Scott, you stick with it. You should see it coming. You know there's going to be problems, but take heart. I'm with you. And I might want to do something through your life that down the road is going to benefit some other folks. So don't you jump out early. That's not just me. That's every follower on this globe. God wants to use you, not just for you, but in other people's lives. So Paul gets hit with the snake. He's got one option. (laughs) He just shakes it off. He shakes it off. I came to tell some of you here today... (laughs) that you need to shake some things off that have been clinging to you for far too long. Some of you have been in the same financial shape for so long, it's time to shake it off and do it God's way. 
Some of you have just gotten to a point in your marriage and you think that's just the way it is. It's just mundane. It's stagnant. It's okay. No, it's not okay. Some of you get yourself so down in the dump you have a pity party. I'm not saying things aren't bad. I'm just saying the chapter's not been written yet. You don't know what God's going to do. In this world, you're going to have problems. He says that. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Your story's not done. My story's not done. God's still at work. Make a decision today. On the ninth day of the brand new year 2022, and when the heat hits and you feel like giving up, don't you give up. You shake it off. Keep your eyes on the only one that matters. See it coming. See it through. Shake it off. You were born for this. I was born for this. This is our year. Would you bow your heads with me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Jesus, I just uh, pray that we would... Oh, that we'd not run from the fight, that we'd not run from the pain, the struggles. We're human, and when things are uncomfortable, our normal reaction is to get out. But yet, God, what we hear today is yet another story where you speak hope and love into our lives, and you tell us that you're never never going to leave us nor forsake us. That those of us that know you, we have the privilege as well as the opportunity to rest assured that you will always be there with us. That's something the rest of the world doesn't have. God, I pray that you'd give us the strength and the courage to keep our eyes focused on you, to not give up when we're tempted to throw in the towel. That we don't buy this idea that being a Christian, our lives should be smooth sailing. And when it's not, we want out. God, I pray that you'd use your word as we learn more about who you are in your character, as you share with us what you think about us, that those things we would use as anchors in our life, that we would look to when we feel like giving up, that we would be reminded of stories like what we just heard from Paul, that the story isn't over. Help us not to quit too soon. Help us to trust in you. With our heads still bowed and our eyes closed, listen, for some of you, your greatest need, I believe for some of you, God brought you here today to let you know that he loves you. <laughs> that you were made for this time. That you're at a point in your life where God wants to challenge you with the fact that your way isn't working. that he wants to be your Lord, he wants to be your Savior, he wants to adopt you into his family, that God's not mad at you, he's mad about you, 
For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that's Jesus, to this earth to live and to die. Not for anything he did wrong, but for what you did wrong and for what I've done wrong. Do you know what that means? That means if you'll put your faith in the one and the only one who is perfect, he'll give you credit for his perfection because he's already paid for all your imperfections. Do you know that means he will forgive you of everything you've ever done or will ever do wrong? That the Bible says when you trust him, he casts your sins as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered anymore. And that's something you can't earn or deserve or purchase. You can't be religious enough for it. You can't do enough do's and not do enough don'ts for it. You can't perform your way into heaven. There's one way, his name is Jesus. When you'll provide the sinner which you are and you'll turn from doing things your way and turn in faith to him, asking him to be your Savior and Lord, he'll come in, save you, adopt you into his family, give you the gift, the gift of eternal life. If that's you, right where you're at today, make this your prayer from your heart to God's ear. Say, God, I don't understand it all. But if this gospel, this good news is true, that there's no hope for me outside of Jesus, and that Jesus, you are willing to come and to die for me, I'm blown away by that. But if it's true, I want it. I want a relationship with you. God, I turn from my sin today. I admit that I'm a sinner and I turn to you by faith. Jesus, come into my heart. Adopt me into your family. Give me the gift that I don't deserve, can't earn or purchase, the gift of eternal life. And from this day forward, help me to get to know you and love you like you love me. And for the rest of my days and for all eternity, I'll serve and live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.